0: Good afternoon, church family. Nice to be with you today. And um, I really appreciate the prayers that um, you send up in my behalf. And I want you to know um, some of you as individuals I pray for daily and certainly as a church in the whole, I pray for you. And it's always nice to come here and to be with you. Um, I had no plans of coming today, even though I was scheduled to come today. And uh, thankfully, Kim sent me an email and said, "You, hey I have bulletin information that's due for Sabbath, so I figured I better get ready to come. Somehow, I'm used to coming on the third Sabbath of the month, and it slipped me that it was re, redone this time. But it's nice to be with you today. I would like to have a prayer, and then we are going to take a look at God's Word today as we face some awesome times before Christ comes again. And may God help us to be ready, and may he fill us with his spirit. I must say, Sabbath school was a blessing to me today. Um, I felt uh, edified and convicted. I need to be a better steward of the Lord. I tried to be clean in that area, but we all can improve somewhere, can't we? So I'd like to have a prayer, and then we will take a look at the uh, word of God today. Let's uh, just bow our heads briefly for prayer. Father, we want to thank you that we're in your house on your day, and I pray that you'll help me, Lord, to share from your word that which will be a savor of life unto life. Please guide my mind, and I pray that the Lord Jesus will be so exalted in our minds today that we will love him more, that we will see more clearly duty, that we will understand more clearly his power to save. Bless, lead, and guide us now, and we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. So I always like to encourage people to uh, do some witnessing for the Lord. You know, that's my work going door to door, and I must say that there are some days I'm pretty happy doing it. Other days it's sheer discipline, but uh, the Lord is good. And uh, we need to be getting the message out, and we need to forget about ourselves, don't we, and care about the people that are out there, you know? Um, I uh, recently, I like to also want to go into businesses to, you know, to to witness to people too. And um, Friday as I was coming home I, in the afternoon, I stopped at a business to buy a couple items. I heard the lady say that the cash register, she was going on vacation. I had a great controversy in my hand with a brochure in it, uh, uh, the uh, Rise brochure. I gave it to her. I said, ma'am, here's a wonderful book. They will give you a lot of hope to read. I said, here's something really good for you to read on your vacation. I don't know if you remember or not, but last time when I was with you, I highly suggested or recommended that you check something out on YouTube. It's a reading of the book Desire of Ages. Uh, There's also Great Controversy, and I believe Patriarchs and Prophets. But it's under the heading of Myers Media, M E Y E R S, Myers Media. And it is an absolutely tremendous reading of those books. And uh, I do business with a company out in California to get um, supplies for my work. And uh, often on a Friday, I call them up and make an order. And uh, yesterday, there was a young girl, I don't know her age, I can only listened to her voice, maybe around 20, and she said, hi, she said, my name's Carly, and uh, she said, I made my order, she said, do you remember recommending to me to read from that book, or listen, I'm sorry, listen to that book, The Desire of Ages, and I said, yeah, I said, I do. She said, that book is having a profound impact on my life. Amen. I thought that was good. good, so I was thankful to, uh, you know, thankful to hear that, um, When I went into another business recently, the man ahead of me at the checkout um, for uh, selling the items, Uh, after each customer, he would say, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. So when I got to the uh, man and paid for my things, um, I owed him a little over $40 and I gave him uh, just over $50 exactly so he could give me a $10 $10 back and just make it easier for him getting the change. So um, after he was done taking my money, he said, um, you're all taken care of now. I said, well, I said, I gave you a $50 bill. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. He said, I did put a $50 bill in there. So he made it right and gave me my $10 change. And then I told him, I said, hey, I said, I got something for you. So I went out to my van. I got a great controversy. And I came back in. And I didn't say much about it. I said, sir, I said, here's a gift for you. And he looked at the book, and he just got all excited. He said, oh, he said, I talked to my brother about things that happen at work. He says, I got to tell him about this. So anyway, I pray and uh, that he will read that book. We have absolutely tremendous information, brothers and sisters. Uh, we need to do all we can besides the duties of life, which we must uh, be faithful to. We need to do all we can to expose our minds to the light in the word of God and in the spirit of prophecy. Uh, we have been uh, very blessed um, in in these things. Now, I want to make an attempt to talk to you today about the book of Galatians. Um, and we're going to look at a few ideas as I can understand them. Um, so um, Emory read uh, to you a passage, but before I get into the book of Galatians, I just want you to think about something here just very briefly. Um, Peter comments on Paul and his writings. you remember? And, um, he said in 2nd Peter 3, he said, An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. He didn't say everything that Paul wrote is hard to understand. He said some of it is. He even admitted it was. He didn't say you can't understand it. He said it can be hard to understand. So the book of Galatians is a very important book in this context because it defines so clearly the gospel, at least through the Holy Spirit's illumination and the mind of Paul. It was written before the books of Romans and Hebrews, and it definitely helps bring those books together. Now, we as a people have been raised up as a movement to proclaim the three angels' messages of Revelation chapter 14. Angel number one, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And John said also of this angel, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and also preaching the, the judgment. The fall of Babylon and angel 2. And then the warning against the beast in his image in the third angel's message. And then it winds up saying, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So, in order for us to proclaim these messages, which we have been called to do, we have got to be into the Bible so that we are clear as to what the word of God is saying about the gospel. Okay? So when you, when you go to the book of Galatians, and we'll look there just uh, at some of the first part of the first chapter, By the way, if there's one text that I would really like to drive home to your understanding today and to your consciousness and to your faith, it would be the one that Emery read, Galatians 2.20. Tremendous text. You can ponder on that. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, yes. Yes. there is the definition of the gospel yes. in the life, which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Okay. But I want to look for before we get back into that, I want to look just a little bit at the introduction to the book. Um, we could, if the speaker had time and the church had opportunity, we could spend a lot of time on this book but we'll try and look at a few things today. I just want to, for you first off, to think about the introduction to the book, okay? So Paul starts the book, and he says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men. Not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, okay? And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, He says, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Who, he goes on to say about Christ, who gave himself for us. That's a reference to the cross. That he might deliver us from this, what? Present Present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here, before I go on, I'm just going to make a brief observation here. This statement by Paul in Galatians 1, who gave himself for us that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. This is a very clear statement as to the reason that Jesus died on the cross. The cross is not only a historical reality, or God paid for our sins by his own sufferings on the cross. But it's a statement to the fact that through the gospel, Christ imparts from his cross, based on his cross, power to deliver us from the evil and the sin in this world. Okay? Paul goes on to say, he sums up the gospel to the first few verses here, but he goes on to say, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him. He said, I, I'm amazed. Uh, <clears throat> you know, if Paul came to your church and was the teacher for a while, you really had some advantages. Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. He's talking about them being separated from God, mainly, certainly his writings. But he says, I marveled you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. He says, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He says, but though we are an angel from heaven preaching another gospel unto you and that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before so say I now again if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received let him be accursed Now let look this is a the position that Paul takes for the authority of the word of God is a position that you and I must be firmly grounded on in these last days And Paul says If you are removed from my writings, which came directly from Christ. Now, mind you, when you read in Galatians chapter 2, he says, I didn't even get anything from the uh, apostles. He said, I simply conferred with them and they acknowledged that I had the true gospel, but I didn't get even get anything from them. He says, I got it directly from Christ. And then he says, though we are an angel from heaven preaching their gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. You know, I have a neighbor that um, I've done a little bit of business with, a real nice fellow. We've uh, enjoyed talking together, and, uh, but I think he would like me to become a Mormon. We've talked about religion. And um, uh, I uh, have considered it, but for maybe five seconds. There's a whole lot of problem with that religion. But let me tell you one thing that is a problem with that religion. You can go very quickly and analyze that religion, for one. You can go very quickly to that part of the Word of God that God wrote in the Bible, that God wrote with his own finger. It's called the Ten Commandments. They do not preach or practice the Fourth Commandment, and it's obvious that they've done slaughter to the Seventh Commandment. By promoting polygamy in their religion. Okay? But let me tell you something else about the Mormon religion. When Joseph Smith came, to, came along. Uh, and produced his book of Mormon. He taught his followers. That it was the most perfect book in all the world. And he also taught his followers. That uh, even though the Bible as it was originally given. Was inspired by God. That through the, the lapse of time, translators and uh, scribes who worked on conveying it down to us, the thing has been butchered, and you cannot completely rely on it. Well, so here is my, here is my uh, dilemma. When I c- take these teachings of Joseph Smith and I read my Bible, I must come to this conclusion. Either I will accept Joseph Smith and totally reject the Bible... Or accept the Bible and totally reject Joseph Smith. Let me explain why. We as Christians understand from the word of God. And I will refer to you some verses to explain. Number one, that the giving of the word of God was a divine miracle where God inspired men such as Paul and Jeremiah and David to give to us his word through human channels. That was a miracle. Number two, an equal miracle is that God has promised us a perfect Bible, an infallible word, and he says, the words of the Lord are pure words, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, from this this generation, henceforth even forever. I believe you'll read that in Psalms 12, I think. Uh, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So we read Psalms 119, and it says for one there that, therefore, verse 128, he says, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. In other words, what the psalmist is saying, whether it's astronomy, biology, history, salvation, no matter what it is. He says, therefore, I esteem all thy precepts, that is, all thy writings, to be right. And I hate every false way. And by the way, brothers and sisters, not only are these claims made by the inspired writers, as you study the word of God and as you practice the word of God, you will know Uh, not only objectively, as it were, but subjectively, not only by clear proof, but also by the experience that the word of God will give you that it is of God. And false religions cannot do that for you. Now, the case with, with Paul was that he had raised up churches, given them the gospel, and there were men who came in And who said, yeah, we believe in Christ, but that's not quite good enough. And in order for you to actually be saved, you must not only believe in Christ, but you must do this and this and this and so forth, okay? In other words, you must add to faith in Christ. I'd like for you just for a moment to take your uh, Bibles and go to the book of Acts chapter 15. Book of Acts, chapter fifteen, and I want to look here um, at verse five, and then yeah, verse five, first. Okay, if you're there, Acts fifteen five, and there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So if you notice here, it was Pharisees who believed, but they were saying, look, you've got to still uh, stick with the ceremonial law. And of course, this case, they really exalted circumcision. Now, I want you to go on, uh, speed on ahead to verse 24, same chapter, Acts 15, 24, verse 24, same chapter. Acts 15, 24, watch this. And this verse here will give you Some understanding of why when Paul writes the epistle to the Galatians, he comes out with full throttle. Okay, let's read the verse and then we'll comment. Verse 24, for as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us. Now, this is the apostles speaking. Certain which went out from us have troubled you with words. Subverting your souls, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law to to whom we gave no such commandment. Now the word subverting means to destroy completely, to ruin and to corrupt. The reason Paul comes on with such a strong, staunch approach, is he saw that the Judaizing teachers, which the spirit of prophecy says themselves were corrupt, they were hypocrites, and they had problems themselves spiritually, is because Paul saw that if the new believers bought into wrong doctrine, they would be lost, as the word subverted says, means they would be ruined, okay? Now, just from a a simple perspective here, when the New Testament talks about law, sometimes it's talking about the moral law. And sometimes it's talking about the ceremonial law, which was in force up until Christ died. The moral law can never be done away with. Can't be. Okay. And this can be demonstrated. But there are some who will read Paul, and they'll go to Galatians, and like chapter 3, where he said, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. And people will read that text in around verse 24 in chapter 3, and they will see, aha, uh, Once we come to Christ, we don't need the law anymore. Do you see that? Yeah, okay. So, if you will read the book of Galatians very carefully, you will see that sometimes Paul is talking about the moral law, and sometimes he's talking about the ceremonial law, and sometimes he's talking about both. Okay? You kind of got to figure it out, what he's saying. All right. Now, I want to, for you to think about something here. Um, in Romans chapter seven, I think it's verse seven, it says, by the law is the knowledge of, of sin. Okay, so by the law is the knowledge of sin. Um so the question can, question can be asked why the law because it gives the knowledge of sin. Do you not need the law anymore once you have the savior? But let's think about something here. I want these ideas are just a little bit intellectual, but I think it's good for us to ponder on them because brothers and sisters As we proclaim in these last days, which we have been called to do, the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, we must have some very clear understandings or we will be moved off tilt. Okay? All right. Now listen, here, uh, let me express this to you as it comes to me. Here's how the law is my friend. Because the law shows me that I am a sinner before God. And I am guilty. And the law shows me that I need a savior. Okay? Now, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer a schoolmaster. Okay? And the people say, "Ah, oh, you know, you don't. No. No. Let me, let me clarify this here just briefly. The law shows me that I am a sinner and I need a savior. Once I come to the savior, it shows me that I have now been saved. You see that? Let me, let me read something to you from the book, um, Great Controversy. <clears throat> this is in the chapter, Modern Revivals. It is the work of conversion and sanctification to reconcile men to God. You're reconciled. In other words, you're right with him. By bringing them into accord, that is harmony with the principles of his law. So it's the work of conversion and sanctification to reconcile men to God by bringing them into accord with the principles of his law. Uh, That's page 467. I want to read something here on 468. In the new birth, in the new birth, the heart is brought into harmony with God as it is brought into accord with his law. When this mighty change has taken place in the sinner, he has passed from death unto life, from sin unto holiness, from transgression and rebellion to obedience and loyalty. Okay, so in the new birth, man is brought into harmony with God. So whether it's whether you're looking at the ceremonial law or whether you're looking at the moral law, brothers and sisters, our endeavors to obey that law without the presence of the Savior in our life is futile. Yes. Right. You, you, can't, you can't do it. Right. Um, if you, um, let's go back to uh, Galatians chapter 2. I want to explain a couple of things here. I'll tell you the verse, Galatians chapter 2. So <clears throat> maybe we start with verse 14. Peter says, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, he says, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, why compelst thou the Gentiles to live as to the Jews? All right? We are Jews by nature and not sinners, of the Gentiles... Now watch verse 16. Watch it real careful. I want to bring a thought out from here. Verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Now do you notice here in this text, it says, We are justified by the faith of what? Jesus Christ. He says we have believed what? In Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Do you realize that faith in Christ and the faith of Christ is two different things? Okay. Now watch. Go to Galatians 2.20 and just ponder it a little bit. Paul says, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He says, in the life which I now live. So he says, Christ is living in me. In the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith, what? My faith or of the faith of the Son of God? Yeah. He says, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Brothers and sisters, here's the way it's coming through to me. When we have faith in Jesus, Jesus then lives in us and lives out his faith in us. Okay? Now, if you notice here, Christianity is not necessarily a paved path with no thorns and no trouble. Because Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Did any of you this week have a battle with your carnal nature? Mm-hmm. Is your carnal nature after you? Is the devil after you? You better believe he is. And it is by faith. And let me just tell you this. If you will take Galatians 2.20 and memorize it and embrace it, you will find this text a tremendous power in moments of temptation. When you're tempted to be impatient, angry, lustful, intemperate, gluttonous, hateful, wrong speech. There is power in this promise. Okay. Here's what Paul is saying in the book of Galatians. He's saying, look, no law can save you. Only Christ can save you and you must depend on him completely. Let me let me read you uh, a uh, statement here in the book Desire of Ages. This is page two eighty three. Just listen to this. This listen to this. It's page two eighty three. It's the whole chapter is on the Sabbath. Okay. It says, "In order to keep the Sabbath holy, men must themselves be holy." Now, here's the question. Do I make myself holy or does Christ make me holy when I have faith in him? Do you see the difference? Yeah. In order to keep the Sabbath holy, men must themselves be holy. Through faith, they must become partakers of the righteousness of Christ. That's it. How long will it take God to get his people ready for the final events? Well, the Spirit of Prophecy does say we do need some months. She says that. But once we grasp this reality of Christ in you, okay? Now, this idea of Christ in you is repeated in Galatians and Ephesians and lots of places. Uh, Galatians chapter one. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, Paul says in Galatians one to reveal his son in me that I might preach him. This is what the uh, first angel's message is talking about when it's talking about a people who preach the gospel. It's people who actually have Christ living in them and they're simply expressing out of their own souls what Christ has done for them. Okay. Now, one of the, the, the main reason the world doesn't want to follow Christ is because he interferes with the things they want to do. And let me just share with you something. Jesus is so good. He is so loving. He's not a killjoy. Amen. But you know what? He knows what danger is, and he says sin is danger. And James, Jesus said through James, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Okay, Paul said, sin deceived me. The devil can really glamorize sin, but brothers and sisters, it will bring death. Our Lord wants your best. He wants your happiness. And that's why he says, look, even if you have to pluck out your right eye, cut off your right hand, cut off your foot, do it. It's better to go into life, eternal life, maimed, Than to have your whole soul and body to be destroyed in hell, and for some people that may mean taking a hammer to their computer screen. Oh, but you say I have to do my banking there. Uh, You better if that is causing you trouble, put a hammer to it and get it out of your life. So when we have faith in Christ, he makes us holy. I want to uh, uh, read you something here. This is so good. <laughs> There's an a article here where, uh, in Volume 4 of the Testimonies, Ellen White is writing to a young minister. She speaks very straight, but it's very edifying. And I, I want to read this to you. Because to me, this illuminates the book of Galatians. She said to this young man, she said, it is necessary for you to watch the weak points in your character. Do you have them? I got them. It's a fight. But Jesus gives the victory, doesn't he? To restrain wrong tendencies and to strengthen and develop noble faculties that have not been properly exercised. Now, listen to this, it's so good. The world will never know the work secretly going on between God and the soul. The world will never know the work secretly going on between the soul and God. Nor the inward bitterness of spirit, the self-loathing, and the constant efforts to control self. But many of the world will be able to appreciate the result of these efforts. They will see Christ revealed in your daily life. You will be a living epistle, known and read of all men, and will possess a symmetrical character, nobly developed the world will never know the work secretly going on between the soul and god the constant efforts to control self but many of the world will be able to appreciate the result of these efforts they will see christ revealed in your daily life you will be a living epistle known and read of all men Um, there is a statement here that I would like to read. You know, brothers and sisters, I'll just want to. I've got a little book here by A.T. Jones. It's a series of articles that he wrote years ago in the Review. <laughs> I just I want to say something to you about these pioneers. These men. Jones being one of them had a clearness of mind and a power of mind and a knowledge of the bible that was amazing it was amazing i believe you know we we are we need to see revival from a number, number of directions one of those is yeah we we yeah health reform that one ne- that that one needs to keep being promoted keep being promoted Because here's the fact of the matter. You can continually improve your health and you can continually improve your mind. Okay? In the sequence of chapters, when you read them in the book, Great Controversy, before the chapter on the final warning, explaining what's going to happen when the third angel's message goes in power, is the chapter called The Scriptures Are Only Safeguard. Okay? And in that chapter, she says, God will have a people on the earth to maintain the Bible and the Bible only as the basis of all... Uh, doctrines and the standard of all reforms we should before accepting any doctrine we should or teaching we should demand a plain thus saith the Lord. you know the reason Paul had it so uh, was able to so clearly stand up to even Peter who capitulated in a weak moment was he had a very clear understanding of the gospel and we need to pray that God will give that to us. When you read the commentary in 7a of the Bible commentary on Revelation 14, describing the importance of the the chapter 14 of Revelation, which contains the three angels' messages, Ellen White says in there, she says, these angels represent those who receive the gospel fully and with power open it up to the world. And in the process of pursuing Christ, We must pursue him through a study of his word. And as the light shines into our hearts, the Holy Spirit will dwell in our hearts. Christ will live in us and he will fit us up for the final proclamation and the final conflict that we are soon to meet over the Sunday Sabbath issue and the final issues that we will be meeting here near the end of time. Let's think just a little bit. So uh, about this in Christ thing, the. Here's here's the reality, brothers and sisters. You and I have no merit. We must come to God. But when we come to God and depend on his word, Christ immediately comes to the soul and he becomes resident in the soul and he will live out his life in us. Let me just ponder with you a few texts. Okay? For one, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. ponder that text. If you want an example, let me put Luther out to you. Sometimes Luther would spend an entire day meditating on just one text. You can spend at least five or ten minutes a day on just one text, can't you? We need to drink in the word. But when it, okay, I am just wanting you to think on some texts. Uh, They're in Galatians. You can find them when you read it. Paul says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, He said in uh, Galatians chapter 2, He said, uh, I'm looking at verse 9. When James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be p- pillars, perceived the grace w- that was given unto me, they gave unto me in Barnabas the right hands of fellowship. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. Verse 7. Contrary was wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. Watch verse 8. He that wrought, that is, he that worked effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same, watch, see that? It says he wrought in Peter. To be an apostle to the Jews, the same was mighty where? In me. You see that? To, uh, toward the Gentiles. Um, let me take you to maybe one more in this book. Galatians 4.19, there's more. But Galatians 4.19, he comes down through his argument. He says, My little children... Of whom I travail in birth again. Paul was not a woman. He did not have children. He's using this as an analogy of the agony that he felt spiritually that Christ would be formed in those whom he preached to. He says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So in order for us to keep the Sabbath holy, we must ourselves be holy. And in order for us to be holy, we cannot do anything to make ourselves holy. We must have faith in Christ and totally depend on him. Amen. If you want another lofty book of the Bible to read, go to the next book, Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his grace to be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man. That Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. This is very clear language to the point that it's the third person of the Godhead who comes resident into the soul and he is Christ's perfect Replacement for Christ, and he lives in the soul, and thus Christ lives in the soul because the Holy Spirit lives in the soul. Amen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Amen. Yeah. Have you ever wondered when reading Galatians or Genesis about Abraham's son, Ishmael? You know, Sarah and Abraham messed up. They said, God is not very good at fulfilling his promises. So we got to help him out. So they expanded their family and violated the seventh commandment. Okay. And out of that came a boy named Ishmael. And when you read in Galatians chapter four, Paul says, he that was born after the flesh persecute him that was born after the spirit. Even so it is now. Um. Brothers and sisters, I just want to make a comment here, and then I'm going to come back to Ishmael. We as Seventh-day Adventists need to make very sure that we are living the life of faith and not of mere works. We need to make sure that we are living the life of Abel and not of Cain. Cain said, I will worship God. I will be religious, but I will do it on my own terms. Are you... Following God on your own terms? Or are you following God on his terms? Are you depending completely on him? But have you ever wondered about Ishmael? I want to read you a statement here. And by the way, like the song says, Sinner, do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? Are you, you know, do you know my Jesus? But I want to read you a statement here about Ishmael and maybe someone here who senses their lack will be encouraged by this. The jealousy of Hagar, this is Patriarchs and Prophets, page 174. The jealousy of Hagar and of the wives whom she chose for Ishmael Poor guy got pumped with polygamy too. Surrounded his family with a barrier that Abraham endeavored in vain to overcome. In other words, it was hard for Abraham to be an influence on that family because of that. Now listen, Abraham's early teachings had not been without effect upon Ishmael. But the influence of his wives resulted in establishing idolatry in his family. Separated from his father and embittered by the strife and contention of a home, that is his own home, destitute of the love and fear of God, Ishmael was driven to choose the wild marauding life of the desert chief, his hand against every man and every man's hand against him. Now listen. In his latter days, he repented of his evil ways and returned to his father's God. We need to repent and return to our father's God. May the Lord help us. We've got a tremendous um, challenge before us. Um, And I just want to... Maybe lingered this out, but I want to mention a quote here just briefly, and then I'll be done. This is something for you to consider. You know, studying the Bible is a challenge. (laughs) Um, I would recommend you spend a good portion of time just memorizing Bible verses, because that is a very good way. If you can memorize a portion like Galatians or something, then you've got a really good start to studying it. But in the book, Councils on Diets and Foods, it's around page 187. It says this. It says, and I believe we're here. I believe this is a prediction for now. So I'm going to throw this out to you, and you decide how you're going to pursue it. God needs people who have illumination in their minds from the word of God and can preach this gospel in power. But she says, when the time comes in the providence of God for the world to be tested upon the truths for that time, minds will be exercised by his spirit to search out the scripture's even with fasting and prayer until link after link is searched out and every fact which immediately concerns the salvation of souls is made plain. The Lord needs people who have a clear concept of the gospel. They have a clear understanding of the word of God and whether they're one-on-one toe-to-toe with someone at their door or when they're, or whether they're in a court of law or wherever they may be, they are prepared to proclaim the simple truth that Christ died for our sins, he will forgive, come to him as you are, and he will transform your life. The Bible is full of the righteousness of God and the power of God. Thy word was found, and I did eat it, and it was unto me the joy and rejoicing in my heart. God bless you. And um, I pray that this coming year will be a year that uh, we will draw very close to the Lord and see the outcome, of pouring of the Holy Spirit, because there are so many precious souls. They need you yes. to witness to them. God bless you. Yes. If there's anybody here that needs to make a decision today, whether it be back, backslidden or convert, reconverted or give your life to Christ. Satan's schedule is tomorrow is the day. God's schedule is today is the day. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Christ is wonderful. Stick with him. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for what the Spirit of God gave to us through Paul. And we thank you for the promise I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I pray, Lord, that we will be faithful to our calling in these last days, whatever it may cost us, by opposition or suffering in this world, that we will be faithful to study, to proclaim, to live, and to have a burden for souls who are lost and who need the message for this time. I pray, Lord, that you'll put your hand upon Ron and everybody here in the Brooklyn church and myself. We are looking to you for help. We know you have called us. We praise you for all the information that's been given us. And we look forward to that day when you come and take your people out of this world. And they will cry out as you are approaching. Lo, this is our God. And he will come and save us. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Bless us now, we pray. Teach our minds, illuminate us, and we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake, amen.